Okay, so this is going to start in six minutes. I'm going to just give you guys a little summary of what this is all about. So there's no structure to this at all. I think after a few minutes, we're going to develop a structure to this, but or not a few minutes, a few days of doing this. But basically, just to summarize it, my dad, Bob Roland, who you guys will meet shortly, spent his entire career working on Wall Street. He started at Solomon Brothers and then took a little break when my little brother Jeff was born to day trade at home. And then after about six years of day trading at home, he went and finished off his career at Credit Suisse and ended up retiring right around 2008, 2009. And that was also around the time when Mike and I were really getting our business going and it was starting to do well. A couple of years later, we had the acquisition happen with Order Up, where we had a little bit of equity in that. And it was the first time Mike and I got some money. And from that point on, it's really been an ongoing, nonstop conversation about investing, about the market. We probably all talk hours a day, just kind of going over what we're doing in the market, breaking down different stocks, different valuations. My dad is better than anyone I've ever seen on TV at just explaining what's actually going on and breaking down things that you don't necessarily hear a lot. So he'll talk about different support levels and stocks. He'll talk about certain narratives that don't really get talked about as much, like times of the months when hedge funds are pouring their money more into the market and things like that. So basically we decided, and this is something we've been talking about for months, and we just decided to just kind of dive into it, that we'd go live every morning for you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes to kind of go over the state of the market and discuss which stocks we're in, what short-term trades we're making, what long-term investments we're making. You know, we do everything from selling put options to long-term holds to short day trades and all the above. And we're going to kind of just dive into it and basically have a conversation that we're already having on an ongoing basis. We're going to showcase it and we appreciate the feedback. If you guys have questions, just post them. I'm going to add Mike right now, and then my dad will be here in a few minutes. There's Hurry Mike. Up. What's going on? Mike, you're muted. Right now. How you doing? You're good. I'm, I'm not, not much. Muted. I just kind of gave a quick... No, you're good now. I just gave a little summary, kind of just to, like, to discuss what this is that we're even doing. And to keep it short, I kind of just said that there's no real structure to this right now. I think we're hoping that, you know, as we get going with this, we'll start to develop more of a structure. But essentially, ever since 2016, when the Groupon thing happened, you and I have been just talking to dad nonstop about the stock market, about investing. He gives us advice. We also give him some opinions based on our knowledge of the age group that we're in and different things that we're seeing. And overall, I think the conversations that we have with dad are so beyond valuable that I think our friends and network would want to hear the types of things we're talking about. He's helped us really make sense of the markets over the last few years. And he's also um, very modest for those tuning in. Our father never himself credit for anything. I remember going into work with him in the later days in Credit Suisse and how much respect he had on his floor 
and the, you know, the younger guys at his office, you could just tell how much guys looked up to him. And that was really cool to see because he really always did a great job with us. Dan. I felt like I'm never really pressuring us to go into that field, even though he was so great at it. And we naturally, I think weren't that into it until we had money of our own. Like I know as a kid, I was, I wanted to be a sports podcaster. So for me, it was never that interesting, but I do remember sitting on his lap as a young kid, watching all of the tickers, the red and the green. And I, I'm a numbers guy, just like you. I think for us now it's in our blood and we love the stock market. And now it's almost like we've known nothing else. And it's been really cool to have a father such as dad to educate us. And that's something I definitely haven't taken for granted because I know the insight he's provided us has been insane to say the least. Absolutely insane. And I think for a while, I just thought it was second nature knowledge that just everybody had. And when, as I kind of grew up and just started meeting more people and talking about different people's interests and what they're doing for investments with their money and things like that, I realized that like a lot of people are kind of blind to the market. It's a complicated world out there. And I think dad's done a great job kind of simplifying it all for us. And, you know, I won't say that it's been all roses this whole time. Obviously, since we've been involved in the market, we've dealt with some serious things. I think like the first big thing was probably 2018 or was it 19? Yeah, around that Christmas time when the market was just nosediving. And then obviously, you know, in March when it was the absolute collapse of the market. And, you know, one of the things and I'm sure he's about to call on here, but one of the stories that, not even stories, but just mem things that I'll always remember, and I continue to make the same mistakes, but dad taught us really early on in the game, as soon as we started investing, the whole deal with selling put options. And he made it clear that most people buy call options and that it's almost like a sucker's game, similar to you know picking specific numbers when you're like playing craps, it's kind of like a sucker's bet. So he taught us how to get on the other side of that with put options. And part of selling put options in order to do that, you need to be set up with a margin account on each trade where you have to like apply for it, which you can get obviously, but there's no doubt I think we've both experienced it, but you can get into, you could have a lot of fun selling put options, making a shit ton of money on those premiums, but you could also get into a lot of trouble if the market goes the other way. A lot of, fun, also a lot of sleepless nights, like I saw with Delta when shit started hitting the fan here. And that, that's something too, to talk about, you know, obviously we've had, I, I think part of it, Dan, and we've seen this in life too. It's very tough when you get success early on. And we saw that with our markets at first. Oh, the college I'm, I'm calling dad right now. I'm pretty sure he's he's having an issue long. Yeah, I'll, I'll let our listeners on this. You know, it's very easy to have a lot of confidence and almost too much confidence in yourself when things are just all hunky-dory, be success at a young age, and then shit literally hits the fan. We saw that in business with competition from national competition and then with the stock market. Oh, when Dan and I, nice. Here you are. There he is. There's not him on. The hat. There you we go, Dad. Straight Bobby. What's going on? So, guys, this is Bob Roland. He's decided to rock a Sephora hat. I think he's trying to have a look for this. The glass Sephora hat. You kind of look like a Brooklyn gangster right I now. Think you're playing, playing in the stock market, you are a Brooklyn gangster. Let's face it. <laughs> so, Dad, to start off, what are you like? Like on a long holiday weekend, being Memorial Day, 
in general, what are your thoughts going into a, a new, a shortened week after, you know, people have had a few days off? Well, you know, the, the market being closed yesterday, uh, it was open in Europe and Asia and it traded and the markets like what was going on with the viruses. And, uh, I guess they felt that Hong Kong wasn't as bad as it sounded on Friday. And we're off to the races today. That's why I ben, what, what horse are you betting on this morning? Anything right off the, out of the gates? Well, you know, I don't like to buy stocks that are up big. Um, you know, it, it would be nice to wait for a pullback here, but we'll have to see how it goes. There's a couple of great names that are starting to run a little bit. And uh, they've been way behind. I've been talking about the banks for a while. I think Citibank is up uh, at least 7% today. JP Morgan is right with it a little less. But uh, the banks are interesting. They haven't had so a Financials, for an investor that they is looking to get into a sector, do you recommend the timing on buying into the strength or do you wait for a day where shit's hitting the fan. Uh, what are your, what's your take on that for an entry point for a new investor? Well, I always think the best thing to do is wait for a shit hitting the fan day. And it's the hardest to buy when it's like that. And that's usually the time you want to get in. When it feels like, oh, this is great. I should buy something. That's when you should probably be getting out. It's a reverse mm -hmm. psychology that works 99% of the time, but it's so hard to do. Yeah, let's talk about the China thing a little bit, because I feel like a lot of people are hearing this narrative, and I'm not talking about with the virus, but more so everything ha happening with Hong Kong. So last week, I took a bet on Alibaba having successful earnings and popping. And unfortunately, like the day before that came out, this news broke where we were going to possibly delist all these Chinese stocks. And obviously Alibaba got slammed, even though they had great earnings and they have a nice day today, but I'm trying to decide if I should dump that position or hold on to it. And could you kind of just break down like what's actually happening with China and why it's kind of a risky situation with these Chinese stocks? Yeah, well, I think if you go back to the beginning when these stocks were listed, people were really excited about getting uh, the Chinese stocks on the New York Stock Exchange, and they kind of looked the other way. And I shouldn't say the New York Stock Exchange. It basically listed in a uh, U.S. format. So it, this is not an NYSE listing. It's a uh, NASDAQ listing. And most of the Chinese stocks that are here are NASDAQ listing, like uh, Baidu. But the point is that they're not following the accounting standards in some cases, and the US is looking for pretty much anything to punish the Chinese. And for some reason, they think this might be a, a good method to do that. In reality, Baba is going to uh, do their business. It's a business in China. And it also trades in Hong Kong and London, and it will continue to trade there. It's not like it's delisted and gone. You'll always be able to trade it. Um, there was a time when you could not trade South African stocks because the government put a kibosh on that because of apartheid. Uh, I don't think that would happen in this case. I think you'd always be able to trade 
uh, Hong Kong or London stocks. So as long as that's the case, BABA will get hit initially, but it should trade on the fundamentals eventually. I bought some on Friday when it dipped below. Okay. And interestingly enough, in Hong Kong last night, it traded as high as 209. And I think it closed around 207. So you could see the buying interest is still there, where here you're getting more sellers than you did there. But people- So they had fantastic- With the narrative around the trade war resuming? Is that really what we're talking about here? Well, you know, there's a lot of things. I mean, with China, you've got the, uh, you know, the trade war for sure and the virus and uh, stealing our um, intellectual property. And it's just a combination of everything seeming to happen at the same time. Now, let me ask you with a problem, looking long-term, do they have any chance of survival if shit hits the fan in China as a country? You mean uh, to survive in China doing what they're doing? Say just hypothetically, China breaks up as a country over the next few years. What happens to Baba? Well, I think Baba is a source for people to buy goods, right? Just like Amazon. And so it shouldn't really matter politically what's really happening internally there. Well, look, China can do anything they want. They could just shut down everything. But you got to think, okay, what's in their best interest? And would that be in their best interest? Sure, it's a possibility, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. So I think something that's been just an ongoing back and forth, you see all these big hedge fund guys, even guys like Mark Cuban, Warren Buffett, everybody says that at this point, the market's just completely overbought, overvalued. And that was about 2000 points ago. It's really taken on a whole new life since then. And it seems like there's kind of this pull and tug between the Fed with these stimulus bailouts where there's trillions of dollars being pumped into the economy, but then people kind of taking a step back and realizing like our economy has been locked down. People are hesitant to get back to their normal lives. So there's going to be some long-term effects. Well, I mean, how, how do you kind of look at the whole thing? Because on one end, you got billions of dollars every day being pumped into the market, but then you have some of the smartest people with the best track record ever saying, hey, pump the brakes. And, you know, as somebody that's always essentially all in on the market, I use margins sometimes. I oftentimes get myself into awful situations and just cross my fingers and hope it works out. I mean, wh- where do you really see things going from here? I mean, I think it's anybody's guess and including these so-called experts. I think no one really knows. This is something that we've never seen before. The one thing that we do know is that there's uh, a tremendous amount of liquidity. And as long as there's liquidity, it's difficult to see the market uh, go down big. I think that will be the the bid on the market. As long as the government is throwing money at this from every direction, it's hard to get too negative. Even so though is there, a a Are we, is there a good chance we have a raging bull market if Trump's reelected on another level? I I think anything is possible. You know, you could be at all time highs in no time or we could be testing the lows, but you got to remember the whole world is throwing liquidity at the markets. 
in all different ways. You know, we're not doing it exactly like other countries are doing it, but they're all doing it. And Seth, how would you compare this to 08 with the stimulus packages? I know it's completely different off of the situations, but in terms of the after effects from what just happened with what the government did to intervene, how long do you see that having a ripple effect in the markets? Um, I, I mean, it's so different from 08, other than the psychological part of the market where people are devastated in the beginning and then slowly they feel more comfortable. I mean, that pretty much never changes. It's always that same gut-wrenching feeling when the market gets uh, absolutely destroyed. Um, but the fundamentals are so much different than they were in 08. You know, we're dealing with closing down the world compared to just a really bad recession due to financial reasons. So I, I don't think you can compare them other than the psychology, which never but, changed. No, that's a big thing, right? Psychology is a major part of the stock market. I think it's everything in the short term, everything. So, Dad, what, uh, what are a couple stocks you're following closely today? Well, you know, I'm following a couple of the gambling stocks. Um, Let's talk Penn a little. So for anyone that doesn't know, Penn National is a gaming company that owns, I think, like 18 casinos around the country. A lot of them are in these southern states like Mississippi and whatnot. But their big claim to fame as of recently is they bought a 36% stake. I think it's 36 in Barstool Sports with the option to buy up to, I believe, 50 or 52% of the company in a couple of years. And for those of you who don't know, Barstool is owned by Dave Portnoy, who is absolutely broken the internet with just all the amazing things he's been doing. He does the Davy Day Trader stuff, which has given us a lot of just not, I don't want to say momentum, but it, it makes us want to just be so much more aggressive in the market because watching that guy is so entertaining. And Penn National, after they bought Barstool Sports, they climbed from like 26 and change up to about 37 bucks before this pandemic took over. And then they dropped down to under four bucks. And that was during that week where it was just market was down 2000 points every damn 15 minutes and things were just out of control. And now Penn is back over 30. I've personally never seen a stock in such a straight line like when you look at the chart how vertical that line is for what Penn has done since it was at I think 1693 was the point where it just like absolutely took off first off have you ever seen a line like that vertical because uh, I'm trying to figure out like at what point is there due to just be like a nice 15% dip just based on how much it's run up you know, I have seen this happen, but not in companies that uh, exist and are in the situation that Penn is in. There was a company, Resorts International, which was the only casino that was operating in Atlantic City when it first opened. And that stock ran up from a penny stock to over 200 in a straight line. Holy and, crap. Right. And then, of course, it came off as new casinos opened and people saw the reality. And then there was, a, I remember a stock in Australia, it was called Poseidon, and it was a gold stock. And it was, it ran from $5 to over 200 also, and back to $5. So, 
they, they're out there. There's a lot of stocks that have done this. I guess you can make an argument for Beyond Meat or Tesla that have had these kind of runs without stopping. A lot of it is um, kind of, uh, you'll see a lot of short interest in those names. And I think Penn National has got about a 15% short interest, which doesn't quite seem like enough to make this move. I think the move is on a lot of factors, oversold to begin with, and then uh, the Portnoy effect, and then uh, gambling coming to more and more states for tax revenues. A lot of reasons why this stock has taken off, but to say it's reasonable to be up here, who the hell knows? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I feel like, and I'm starting to think that people are catching on to it, but when the Barstool acquisition first happened, my initial thought was that the Wall Street guys who run these massive hedge funds, they don't understand Barstool and they don't understand what that could really turn into and how it's like in its infancy stages. Now I'm starting to think that maybe people are catching on because that guy puts himself out there. He's all over TV now. And I don't think there's anybody who doesn't know what Barstool is and what they're up to. So that's where I'm just wondering, you know, does it cool off a little? It's been a stock I have done amazing on not only holding long term, but also trading in and out of, I mean, it'll have 10% swings almost every day. And it's anytime I think things are starting to get easy is when the whole patterns change. But I'd say for the last two and a half weeks, Penn has had a very, very consistent pattern where it opens up huge. It comes down all the way to about flat and then it goes right back up to the moon, usually about an hour and a half after it opens. So anytime I start to follow that and think like, okay, I think I understand this pattern. Let me jump on it. It's when a whole new pattern starts and you're just completely wrong, which is the beauty of this market, right? Yeah. But you know what? It's good to do the patterns until they don't work. And then you move on to something else. Why not? You know, if it's working day after day, you might as well get on it, you know? And yeah. It's kind of like that um, Selectus, that biotech stock. It, it, it trades in France and then it comes and trades here and the French are always negative on it and it opens down and then all of a sudden it's been running up a buck a day or so. And then uh, by the close, people say, oh no, France is gonna be opening soon. I better sell it off. And it kind of trades down in the last hour. So that's been a pattern and there's all kinds of stocks like that, that get into these routines that work until they don't. And then you got to stop doing them. So if anyone wants to, that's CLLS. That's the ticker there. If anyone wants to follow along, CLLS. And then for Penn, the ticker's P-E-N-N. These are uh, these are two exciting volatile stocks that we've been having some fun with. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, look at long-term holdings. Like, let's go to travel for a second. I know you've been a big proponent on Boeing since it was in its infancy. Where do you go with that from here? It's obviously shipped the bed and then some. It seems like it's starting to, it's found its support. It's bounced off its way lows, but do you think there's some room to run there in the months ahead? Yeah, you know, Boeing is always interesting because it's considered a national treasure. If you want to think about it a little bit, it's one of the most important companies in the United States. So mm -hmm. from that standpoint, it always has that going for it. They seem to have been able to, um, you know, have enough money to get through all this at this point. I remember when the stock was over 300, there was nothing but good news in this thing. One day after the other, good news, more orders, everything's going great. And then, of course, the 
the max happened. And, you know, after two crashes, everything started going wrong. And the stock got down to what, around 115, Mike, something like that. It was down to 89 at some point, around that range. But, you know, I think in uh, 08, it was around 90, and it almost ran back to the same price again. And now, you know, you hear nothing but bad news. So maybe now is the time that looking forward, you will see good things happen to Boeing. You know, the max is going to come back. That's got to be worth something in the stock. Uh, and let's not forget, it's not just travel Boeing. It's defense, right? Yeah, so it's, it's almost defense. And, uh, you know, a good part of their business is in uh, government contracts. So that'll always be there. And uh, there will be new orders for planes. Planes will be needed. And I read an article this weekend that passenger planes are being used to ship cargo. So it's not like all these planes are sitting on the runways. A lot are being used for new, new things. And Boeing doesn't care if it's passengers or cargo. They just I want would, more planes, right? Yeah, the reason I'm bullish on Boeing and just the airlines in general is I'm at a point where I'm willing to get on a flight now. And I feel like I'm somebody that is not a careless person, but I think I'm somebody that kind of is similar to how everyone else is feeling where, you know, people naturally feel somewhat invincible over after X amount of time. So like at the beginning, the narrative was how aggressive this virus was, how easy it was to catch it. If you didn't catch it, you start to think, oh, I'm not going to catch it. Maybe I have the antibodies. Maybe it's not as serious. But now I'm at a point where I'm going to be getting on a flight soon. Like in June, but I plan on taking a couple flights. I'll you here for a second. I'm, not, I'm live for us on Instagram. Pete just chimed in. You know, Pete has two kids now. He, I'm not flying anytime soon. So hearing that, I think we have to keep things in perspective for what your lifestyle is like to make a decision like that, you know, being a guy that doesn't have a family makes yeah. that a much easier trigger. Well, right. I think there's almost two categories of people right now. There's the category of people that need a vaccine to come out in order to fully get back to normal with their lifestyle. And I think, Dad, you might fall into that category. And then I think there's the category of people that naturally feel like they're in that healthy age group category where they feel naturally a little bit invinci invincible. And now there's even head doctors that are kind of saying like, hey, those people need to go out and get the economy started again. And Mike, I think you and I fall into that. And I think I could speak for both of us that we're, you know, we were talking this morning. Both of us are willing to get on a flight. I'm going to get my charger. I'll be right back. I, I, I have no problem getting on a flight. I also don't have two young kids. So for me, I'm not responsible for anybody else. Well, I, I don't know how I would feel about that otherwise. Uh, I get where Pete's going with that, you know, unknowns. Yeah. Where yeah, you don't know who I, you know, your thought? Well, my thought is that the market is trading on the idea that this vaccine is going to happen in the fourth quarter. And if it does, then all these questions go away. People will get on flights. They'll take cruises. They'll do whatever they want to do. Um, but then when you talk to a guy like Adam Rafat, he's not that gung-ho. He doesn't have that much conviction that that's happening. Right. He's like, I that's the other side of it. And, you know, I think the market really believes the way it's been trading, other than the liquidity reasons, that there's going to be a vaccine. And if down the road it looks like there's not going to be one, there'll probably be a big sell-off again. See, it's funny you bring that up because I, I keep – 
Well, no, I was going to say that I just keep like thinking back to my previous experiences and I've been pretty aggressive in the market now for a little over four years. So like there's been massive sell-offs, there's been massive bull rallies within those four years. And the one thing that I can't help, but just continue to think about is every time there's been a sell-off weeks leading up to the sell-off, there's been a lot of news to justify the sell-off. And right now it feels like one of those times where it's like the, there's a terrible narrative out there, whether you want to hone in on the virus or whether you want to hone in on the China United States conflict, which to me is the worst it's ever been since Trump took office. And for a while, right before the virus started, it seemed like we were kind of on the same page as them. We got the phase one trade deal. It looked like there was a phase two trade deal coming out. Now it seems like we're almost like at a cold war. And that's where there's headline after headline. You mix that with the coronavirus. Obviously, getting the vaccine is one thing, but then getting it mass produced is a whole nother thing. It's almost like two separate conversations. So it's almost like I know at some point the market's coming down hard because of all this negative news. But here I am buying my ass off, maxing out on margins sometimes. And like, obviously, everyone else wants to time it perfectly. I never can. But I'm trying to ask myself what the hell I'm doing because the news is bad enough where I should be in basically all cash right now. I don't know what's wrong with me. Because people are rational optimists, like not only not rational, I'm sorry, they're optimists by nature. So I think when you look at how bad things were and you know people lock down and then you hear the media narrative changing a little, you're naturally going to, you know, unless the world's ending, you need to be hopeful. So I think that's part of it, but there's no doubt, we have to expect there to be rocky, terrain ahead to think that things are just going to be all hunky dory going to the moon. You're going to be losing a fortune. There's no chance. So I think it's us picking the spots correctly volatility and finding good entry points and strong fundamentally sound stocks that have been beaten to a pulp due to this red herring once in a century event like Boeing, for example, which you know is not going anywhere unless the world's over. That's really, when you look at a company like that, they can't be out of business. Well, I guess the question I have, and dad, I know we talked about this a little like a month ago when it was all happening, but there's no doubt that like all these companies, including Boeing, have been raising an insane amount of capital to allow them to get through these situations, which right. changes up the internal structure of the company, the the shareholders, the ownership. And, th- and that's where I'm kind of like sitting back and wondering, you know, is Boeing actually able to get back? to the promised land or is the reality of the situation that Boeing's take it took took on hundreds of millions of dollars in order to survive and something has to give when that happens it's not just like that didn't happen yeah well one thing that'll give with some of these companies that you mentioned is they will not get back to the old highs anytime soon you almost have to ignore where these stocks were at their high point when they've taken on so much capital you know especially the airlines However, a day like today, people are saying, what the hell can I buy that hasn't moved? And you looked at the list and it's really travel stocks and bank stocks. And you know, when you guys think about it too, we're in that era where FOMO, the FOMO effect is at an all time high in the world history. People hate missing out on anything. And that includes the stock market. So when you look at these stocks, you know, DraftKings, Penn, 
even like now travel stocks where people are like, oh, I don't want to miss out on a run. So you have people now that are like, oh, I need to, and there's a lot of cash on the sidelines. So like that was highlighted. So we've got all this between people with cash on the sidelines and all this stimulus, you know, any good news is obviously going to pad the cushion even more. Yeah. We so, we, we've been a day like today, you have the, uh, the virus stocks, as I guess they've been calling them, like Zoom. Um, those will be off. I don't know what they're doing now. I'm, I don't, I'm not in front of that screen. I haven't Zoom yet because I, I, I haven't, I've never shorted a stock, but I'd like to at some point. And I've heard too many great things about that stock. And everyone I know is on it. When is shit going to hit the fan with them and beyond me? Because those are two companies. I've never liked fake burgers. Beyond me already had it's beyond me. It had its massive sell-off already. Like you could argue that now you can kind of get in it for the long run. I mean, the sell-off when we find out whatever's in that stuff is not actually okay for you. Like that's the sell-off I'm talking about. Not that's happened yet. I still don't believe in that being legit as a product personally. I think it's awful for you. I I could taste it and tell. Like actual meat beef is better for you than that crap. I'll tell you a stock that I've been playing the swings pretty aggressively on and I've done well with, and today it's looking interesting, is Peloton. Because Peloton trades with the stay-at-home stocks, which you're right, they're giving up today. And Peloton is down about 5% today. And when we get off, right? Peloton's a great great company, and I, I don't think that's a company that at all loses its – momentum when things go back to normal. I think anybody that bought a Peloton loves it. I know a lot of people personally that bought a Peloton and then they're on the monthly subscription service to use it. I think Peloton's going to come out with a lot of other things and they will have competition, but still seems like a stock that's kind of in its infancy. Stage. I, I know it's way early to say this. I look at Apple buying them in a couple of years with where healthcare is going and the way they are as a, a very turnkey, seamless company now with subscriptions. I, I just see that being an Apple Watch home run synergy. I really do. And I, I love Peloton. You know, I had an option on that. I got out of a little early, but I made good money on it. Before this, right when we were visiting Papa in Arizona, before this even started. Um, but I think, you know, they're seeing now they're buying, they're offering lower end bikes, like lower price points, which I think is genius. To be yeah, able to have all about the subscription model for them. Yeah, and I don't think you're gonna see a lot of people wanting to even go back to gyms, honestly. I, I, I really this Peloton is a major winner. And I also want to talk to you guys about Chewy. I know you guys have known I've been bullish the last couple of weeks on them. I haven't bought any yet, but even yesterday, meeting a couple of people in the park with dogs, they both use Chewy. One has a puppy just got on Chewy. When you look at winners throughout this that should continue to win. Pets have been prioritized to another level. Once you're on something like that, why would you get off of it? Yeah. The, the thing I love about Chewy, same with Peloton, is if there is a day where there's any negative news about the virus again, you're going to see the stay-at-home stocks crank right back up. And to me, it's tough to imagine that we're like completely out of the weeds when it comes to this whole virus situation. I think anything can come out like for a company like Moderna that, you know, the the trials that they're doing ended up not working. And to me, the likelihood of things just getting back to normal and us having a vaccine, it's not as high as 
the likelihood is of like there being more issues that come up about these vaccines not really quite being ready. So, I mean, Dad, why don't you tell us like a little, because I know we, we've been getting more into day trading and whatnot. Are there like a couple little, I don't want to say like secrets, but little things you try and stick to when you're doing day trading? Like something that I've learned the hard way is to not look at a day trade as an investment and have a limit where if you're wrong, you get out. So if like yeah. you think the stock's going up and it starts to go down, is there a point where like, well, if it hits this point, I was wrong and I'm out? Look, the, the main thing about day trading is taking the losses quickly. And you could miss out a lot doing that because a stock could drop three or 4% and then jump back up and you just get so frustrated. So you got to be willing to take those hits and then be willing to buy the stock back when it's up from where you and sold. What, what percent of your portfolio do you think makes sense? No, I know it's based on age and everything, but you're a conservative guy. Someone that's young, that's our age group, that's looking to day trade to get their feet wet. What would you recommend as a good starting point for a percentage? Well, as a, I think it should be an extremely low percentage and let it build up so it's a higher percentage. So if you start with, let's say, 10% of your total money for day trading, and it gets to 20, then you're doing it right. If it goes down to five, then just stop doing it. <laughs> like stick, to your, stick to your day job if you cut it in half. Right. So right. Let's end all us each having a stock of the day we like for our listeners. We could end that every segment with what's the stock of the day that you would buy for people right now? Okay, well, I'm going to start and I'm going to stick with what I just said a few minutes ago, Peloton. I've been playing the swings, like I said, and I don't think that's a company that only thrives if everyone's staying at home. I think, this, yeah, I think this allowed them to get their foot in the door and I like Peloton right now. Yeah, Peloton today, folks. Dad? Uh, I like, you know, as I said, I love the banks because they've so beaten up. Favorite? I think my favorite name would be uh, Citibank, just because it's a little more leveraged than J.P. Morgan. Okay, and I'm going to go with Car K A R. I know I've talked to you offline about this auction company. They are to me going to be a major winner out of this. They're breaking out today, and they're going to break out on another level because rental car companies are in shit. You're seeing. I have buddies buying cars on the cheap right now for this exact reason. Thank you, Leon Goldfeld, for that tip, by the way, because he I wouldn't have known about this one otherwise, but I've made good money so far on it. I loaded up more on the strength this morning because I think that's about to break out on another level. So Peloton, Dan, sitting by car me. Good first day, guys. We'll uh, chop it up again in the morning. Boom, baby. Yeah, this was great. Awesome. Enjoy the day.